Amen. If you have your Bibles this evening, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter number four. The book of Ephesians chapter number four. We'll begin reading down in verse number 17 and dealing with the new man and talking about not grieving the spirit. And these are important things as a believer, as a child of God, we are new creatures in Jesus Christ. And I'm glad that when I got saved, there are some things that changed in my life. Amen? And um, Christ did not just save me from eternal uh, consequences of my sin, but he also made a difference in my life. And there are some distinct differences that transpire or should be evident in the life of a believer. And so we find here that Paul writing to the church at Ephesus he is dealing with the new man. We looked a couple weeks ago at the spiritual gifts in verse number 7, but tonight we want to look at the new man. And verse number 17, the Bible says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer, and God, I pray that you might be with us for the next few moments. Lord, may you speak to us through your word. Lord, we know that your word is truth. And Father, we thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Here in Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible's dealing with the new man, and I won't be long tonight. I, I assure you I'm going to be short, but I, I want to look for a moment at the new man, and there are some differences that Christ makes in our life, and there should be some differences that are not just different, but are positive difference that are uh, good things in our life. When Christ came into my heart and saved me as a young man, uh, Christ changed me, but not just for any change. It was specific changes that worked together in my life and in my heart to bring about the glory and the honor of God through me. If you've been saved any length of time, you should be able to also testify this evening that Christ has made a positive impact in your life and that you can rejoice and say, I am not the person that I used to be. I'm reminded of the gentleman, he went to the barber shop, and the barber said, what kind of haircut would you like? He said, well, he said, uh, uh, sir, I would like for you to, on this side, he said, I want you to cut it, and uh, cut it real high and tight and kind of tapered, somewhat what my hairstyle is this morning. He said, in the back, he said, I want you to more of a bowl cut back over here. On this side, leave it a little longer with some strands that I could stick out 
on the top, I want it spiked more like a mohawk, but take a couple of gaps and just take some pockets out of my hair. He said, on my bangs, he said, make them real short on one side and then go up and back down the other side. And the barber said, are you crazy? He said, there's no way I could do a hairstyle like that, and who in the world would want it? He said, I can't do that haircut. And the gentleman said, why not, Barbara? You did last time you cut it. And so I will admit, years ago, I thought I'd be funny and tell that joke to my barber, and he did not laugh. So, <laughs> um, you know, but there, sometimes in life, there are things that make a difference in our life, but not all things, not all difference are positive, are they? But when Jesus Christ comes into our life, there are some things that change. There are some things that different, but it's not botched up and all over the place. When Christ does work in our life, it is for our good and for our benefit, and we are new creatures in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles, in the futility of their mind. The Bible saying, listen, when you come to Christ, you should be no longer the same as you used to be. Don't do as the rest of the world, but there should be some differences that happen. Verse number 18 says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Romans chapter 1 and verse number 21, the Bible says, because although, also, uh, because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. And so the Bible says, listen, the Gentiles, those who do not know Christ, and uh, they, they're, they're darkened, their eyes are darkened, their hearts are darkened, because of the blindness of their hearts and their ignorance. One of the things that can hinder a Christian in their growth more than anything is the ignorance of the Word of God. Ignorance of God's Word. And I wish this is not the case, but it is the true saying this evening that just because someone has been saved for a long time does not mean that Christ has necessarily completed or done a great change in their life. There are some people who are saved, but if you fail to study the Word of God, to read the Word of God and apply it to your life, the change will be minimal. Now, as a new Christian, there are some things, Brother Dennis, when I got saved and I gave my life to Jesus Christ, there were some changes in my life that were immediate. There were some sins that, I, that had a hold on my life, and when I got saved, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. Immediately, the sin was taken from me. I no longer had a desire for it. I no longer had, a, uh, uh, I no longer had control of my life. The chains were immediately broken, and I rejoice over that. But at the same time, there were some things that God took a long time to work on my life in. There are some things that he's still working on. Can I get an amen there? Although there were some things that God changed because they immediately became evident in my life, but some things I was just ignorant of. Some things I didn't know. The Bible says, because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, 
who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. The Bible here is telling us kind of what the old man is, what the flesh was. It says, past feelings, giving ourselves to lewdness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. It is that we lived for ourselves. We were greedy, that we, uh, we were unclean and lewd because of ourselves, that we live for our own selves, the desires of our own flesh, and we live that we might consume unto ourselves. Have you ever heard the term that America is a consumer nation? We consume much more, we import more than we export. It's greed. We're all about ourselves and self-consumption, and yet sometimes is that the heart of the church. And Paul is dealing here with a new man. He says, listen, he says, this is not the way it should be, but this should be the old man. The new man should be different. It says, but verse number 20, but you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. He said, listen, he said, uh, if this is you if, you, if you haven't changed, if there's not a difference in your heart, if there's not a difference in your life, Paul says, you have not learned Christ. You may have read about him, you may have heard about him, you may go to church, you may be in church, but you do not know Jesus Christ, you have not learned him. Tonight I want to ask, do you know Jesus? Do you know him? I'm not asking if um, you go to church. You're here, obviously you go to church. Yet how many times are, do we have individuals who have come to church, they live in church, they, they go through the emotions and the actions of Christianity, but they have not learned Christ. Paul says, but you have not so learned Christ. If you've heard him, you've been taught by him as a truth in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct. Now, it's interesting here because he says this. He says that you put off concerning your former conduct. When I got saved, the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, immediately took some things from my life. But there were some things, he said, you're going to have to grow in maturity and do it yourself. With his help, with his strength. But there are some things he expects us to do. There are some things that we must put off, we must work and labor in our lives that we might grow closer to God and learn to give ourselves as we mature as Christians. And I'll be honest with you, the more we grow, the more as a, even as a pastor, the more I read God's Word and study, God reveals in my life some things that I've been ignorant of. And as I read God's Word, He begins to reveal that, Randy, there are some things in your life that you need to clean up. There are some things in your life, some attitudes and some actions that you need to change that I might be glorified through your life. So that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, watch this, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust. We're supposed to 
put off the old man. Paul said that the things that he used to do, he doesn't do. And the things that he desires to do, he don't. And the things he don't want to do, the things, those are things that he does. And Paul himself struggled with this spiritual maturity and this uh, life of sanctification. But as believers, as children of God, we should strive for sanctification. We should daily seek in our walk with God, our prayer as we study God's Word. We should strive to have God transform our lives. He says that you put off concerning the former conduct of the old man, which grows corrupt according to those deceitful lusts, those lusts of the flesh. That we should learn to deny ourselves. That we learn to say no to the flesh. That's uh, easy to talk about in church, ain't it? But sometimes it's harder to live. It's easy to say, I know what I should do, but to put it into action. How do we do it? Verse number 23 says, And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. We're renewed through righteousness and holiness. Those are brought about through walk with God. The last part of this chapter, verse number 25, talks about grieving the Spirit. We talked about the Holy Spirit a few weeks ago, and I'm going to be very, very brief here. But we know that it is the Spirit of God that works in and through our lives. Yes, we have a, we have a, a duty that we must seek to grow in our faith. We must search, uh, seek out and, and desire, as David prayed, that, Lord, uh, uh, search my heart and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. We should strive to, uh, to, for God to work in our hearts. But we are reliant upon the Holy Spirit to move and empower us. For the truth is, I can desire to do right but without the power of God in my life we don't even possess the power to do change unless Christ is involved the truth is before I came to Christ I had grew up in church and I knew what I was supposed to do I knew what how I was supposed to live and I wanted to live right I desired to do right but I did not possess the ability to do it because I was doing it in my own flesh so we must be relying upon the Holy Spirit of God. That as we walk with him, as we grow, he begins to work in our hearts and begins to transform our lives. And yet there are some who are saved who live many years as a child of God. And either drift back into the, the filth of sin or never grow out of it. And I don't have to say any names. You're looking at me nodding your head. You can think of someone right now yourself. Who once lived right. Acted right. But Satan has got a foot in their heart. Those who are saved. But it seems like there's been very little maturity in their life. 
Verse number 25 says, Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. The first thing we must do to not grieve the Spirit of God so that he may work in our life is we must speak truth. Just tell the truth. Tell the truth, be honest, be, be forthcoming in our conversations that um, we're known for our honesty. You want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God in your life? Start lying. Just don't tell the truth. Be dishonest in your conversation, in your business, in your doings. You'll grieve the Spirit of God. Verse number 26 says, be angry and sin not. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Two things here in this verse. He says, be angry, but don't sin. You know, it's not a sin to be angry. It's okay to be angry. The Bible says to be angry and sin not. Don't let the anger control your heart. And don't let it cause you to act contrary to God's word. It says, and then don't let the sun go down upon your wrath. Um, my wife's here, and uh, her grandfather, which Pi's here, Sandra's dad, his dad, and mom and dad, he would always tell us, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. And he would tell us, I've heard him say several times that um, him and mom, we called her mama, Miss Sylvester, he said they would get sometimes into a disagreement. He wouldn't say arguments, you know, but they, uh, as pastors and wives, we don't fight, we just disagree real strong. And so, but they would get in a disagreement. He would say, Sylvester, pray for us. And said, it's kind of hard to fight when you're praying, talking to the Lord. And the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your wrath. You want to grieve the Spirit of God? You want to hinder your relationship with your, with your spouse, with your family, with your church? Harbor hatred in your heart. Harbor hatred. You'll grieve the Spirit. Verse number 20 says, 27 says, and don't give place to the devil. Don't give him room in your heart. It says, don't let him who, st- or let him who steal, steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Don't steal. Be honest. Uh, you know where thievery comes from? Thievery comes from laziness. The Bible says, don't steal. Go out and labor and work and earn what you desire. I remember years ago when I did heating and air, I was at a place, a, uh, uh, an auto parts store in Chattanooga, and we walked on there. They said the whole top floor, the air was out. I know they had about five units. I thought that is weird that the whole top floor don't have air conditioning. Uh, it was at Ken Smith Auto. And so we got up there, and, and uh, I'd never been to that place. They said our units are up on the roof. Go up there and look. That's what the maintenance guy told me. So I went up on the roof couldn't find the units that were not working. And I come down, I said, listen, I said, uh, you've mistaken. I said, the units have got to be on the ground somewhere. I said, there's no air conditioners up on the roof. He said, yes, there is. I said, no, there's not. We went up there. It was three stories high and they had threw, they had barbed wire fences. Somebody threw carpet over the barbed wire, crossed over the fence, put ladders up on the three stories, got up on the roof, cut the air conditionings off, and threw them off the building. We, we saw the dents where they hit the ground and loaded up these units and hauled them off. And we at, finished it all up, added up. They got, uh, I don't think it was like four or $500 worth of copper off those equipment. I thought, you did all that work, 
and risk going to jail for you could have made more money working a regular job than what you did all that for. Laziness can cause us to do stupid things. The Bible says don't steal work. I'm going to get on a side note here, and I I don't want to get distracted this evening, but um, our nation's in trouble if we don't get some people that get some work ethic in them. It's amazing to me the businesses you go to that aren't open during business hours because nobody showed up to work. I've heard of several restaurants here recently that are closing their doors because they can't get anyone to work. Now, I understood for a little bit when the pandemic first started. Y'all don't mind if I just vent for a minute, do you? When the pandemic first started, we were giving money out to people not to work. And I understood why people, it was dumb that we were doing that. But I understood why people didn't work. They could make more money and stay at home. But the checks have stopped. How are people not working now? And, uh, boy, if we don't fix something out, our nation's in trouble. Ain't we? we can't just, somebody's got to do something. Uh, we, we can't just, everybody can't just stay home and not work. And so the Bible says, uh, don't steal, go work. And you can steal from the government as well. You can steal from your community and others. The Bible says, don't steal. If you want something, go labor and work with your own hands. Well, the problem with that is, the Bible says, by not doing that, we're grieving the Holy Spirit. These are things that grieve the Spirit of God. Verse number 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth but what is good for necessary edification that it may impart grace to the hearers. Basically, what Paul is telling the church at Ephesus is, start talking right. And he clarifies it here with the very last, in the, uh, the last verse, is and be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. The Bible says, listen, just be kind to one another. We want to grieve the Holy Spirit of God in our church. You want to grieve the Spirit of God in your life. You want to grieve the Spirit of God in your home. Start being a jerk. Start not even being a jerk. Start having conversations that are aimed to dig at someone instead of edify them. The Bible says, only let that come out of our mouth that is good for necessary edification. Doesn't mean we can't joke. And I, you know, we like to joke. We've been joking about football today, and I sat down on the front row few minutes ago and after I made that little comment about y'all's red wearing red this morning and my wife looked at me and rolled her eyes and thought I'm going to pay for saying something when I get home I know and so we like to have fun but uh, you know it's okay to have fun with one another but the Bible says we ought to be careful make sure our conversation is for edification that we lift one another up And we're all guilty of that, aren't we? We're guilty of behind closed doors. We'll shake hands with our brother and sister in Christ in church and act like, oh, we love one another, and then get with our friends or behind closed doors. And are you guilty of that? I'd almost ask you to raise your hand, but if you didn't raise your hand, I'd know you're lying. I wouldn't want to cause you to lie in the church. We're all guilty of it. The Bible says, don't do it. 
Verse 30, and do not grieve the Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. I don't know about you, but whether you agree or not, we must have the power of God upon our church if we're going to reach Etowah for Christ. We must have the power of God upon our lives if we're going to reach our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren for Christ. We must have the power of God. The Bible says, don't grieve the Spirit. He says, verse 31, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind one to another. I know this verse, Ephesians 4.32. I, I probably know it better than John 3.16. As a kid, me and my sister, we would have a tendency, as siblings do, to fight and argue. And my mother came up with this great idea that every time we would argue... Um, she would make us hug and say we love each other, which as a young boy, I, that just, that grieved me. But then she would make us say this, Ephesians 4, 32, and be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And we'd say it, and she'd say, and I'll say it again, sometimes ten times, there were times she'd make us say it 25, 30 times. I remember a few times we got in a few fights, and she'd make us say it 100 times in a row, just repeat it back to our each one. I'd say it, she'd say it 100 times back and forth. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How much happier would your home be, your marriage, if you could do that? How much happier would your relationship with your children, your neighbors, your co-workers, how much better would it be if we could just be kind one to another? What would our church be if we could be kind one to another? What would our society be if we just live by this one verse, and be ye kind one to another. Don't grieve the Spirit of God. Don't grieve Him. We need Him. But we can grieve Him. And when it all comes down, He says, bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, malice, almost all these things that grieve Him have to do with our attitude in our conversation. Are we grieving the Spirit of God? Or does He have liberty in our hearts? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you in prayer. God, I pray that you might speak to us now. Lord, help us to learn this simple principle to be kind one to another. God, may you give us the, the patience that we need that we don't have.
Lord, the compassion that we struggle to find. Lord, the forgiveness that we are so quick to deny. Lord, may we not grieve your Holy Spirit, God, because we need you in our hearts and lives. God, may you work in our church in such a way that, Lord, we are the most loving, compassionate people. Not only this church and our family, but also this world has ever seen. God, may we displace or display your grace in our lives. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.